You may be seated. Let's take God's word together and turn to Luke chapter 24. I was visiting with the Rooney family last night and went up to have a word with Martin, Felix's oldest brother, and Martin pulled out a little notebook that Felix used to carry around with him. In fact, I think it was his father's notebook. And in it was dozens of letters where Felix was out uh, looking for work. And uh, of course, when he made a quote or got a job, he'd make a note of it. Felix was an extremely hardworking man. If you knew him, the man could get a job like just about nobody else you met. He had a winsome personality, could get a job quite easily. And a hardworking young man, a notebook full of this. But something really struck my attention while flipping through the little notebook. He had written down on one page a number of Bible verses. The top was a big smiley face. And the top verse, the first verse was uh, this passage, Luke chapter 24 and verse number 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. He then beneath that scripture in Luke chapter 24 wrote some passages in Exodus. And it almost looked like he was listening to the song that his brother-in-law Johnny just sang even last week about how Christ came and drew near to those two men walking on the road to Emmaus. And he began to reveal to them that he was that bread from heaven, the manna. He was that uh, living water, and he was the fourth man in the fiery furnace. Really remarkable. Four verses were listed on that sheet of paper. I took a photograph of it on my phone so I could remember. But I couldn't get that passage out of my mind all night, and even this morning when seeking the Lord about what to preach, and I believe that God has brought us to this portion of Scripture. There's something here very precious, and I hope today that it will minister to your soul. I really want you to look at one verse, verse number 15, and from verse 15, we'll make our sermon. Verse 15, verse uh, chapter 24 of Luke says, It came to pass that while they communed together, here are two men walking on this road to Emmaus. The Bible says they're leaving Jerusalem, headed to Emmaus, about three score furlongs, and they talked together of all the things which had happened. Do you know what things those are? The death of Jesus the crucifixion, and the burial. And now they had report that Jesus was missing. Now they, at this point in time, were not hopeful. They were not believing that Jesus had risen. They were in despair, discouraged, downcast. And as they're walking, the Bible says in verse number 15, it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. I've underlined those four words. Jesus himself drew near. There are two men out of many who were in the depths of despair in this passage. Many others were affected by the death of Jesus. But here are just two, an example of two, whose entire lives had crumbled before their very eyes. All of their hopes and dreams had been dashed into a million pieces. And they were just aimlessly drifting through life at this point. Three days had passed. Jesus was dead. Three days had passed. No sound from heaven. No flutter of angels' wings. No hope at all. And they were going from one day of darkness to the next. And they didn't even know what to do. Couldn't work. 
They were in so much despair they couldn't go to work. They couldn't enjoy the simple pleasures of life. If they had children, they probably had a hard time even enjoying their children. They were living in total devastation. When Jesus died three days before that, so did all of their hopes. So did all of their dreams, their expectations, their future. Everything was lost. And it was in this moment, hear me now, that we find these words. When every ounce and shred of hope was gone, when all joy was stripped from them, and it didn't look like they'd ever get it back, it was at that moment that Jesus himself drew near. It might be this morning that you find yourself in a similar situation as those disciples. All hope is gone. You're in a pit of despair and you don't know how to get out. There's no hope of getting out. You you, you appear to be so far down, you can't even see light. But it is in this moment that Jesus chooses to draw near. I love what it says. Jesus himself drew near. He didn't send somebody else. He didn't send an angel. No, no. Jesus himself came. He didn't send a preacher. He didn't send a priest. Jesus himself drew near. Because nobody else would do. When you get that low, no one else will do. When you get that hopeless, And things get that dark. I don't care. The sweetest, nicest human being on earth would not do. Only Jesus himself. Jesus himself drew near. It doesn't say Jesus himself watched them. We know that's true, don't we? We know he's watching. It doesn't say that Jesus himself took note of where they were. No, no. Jesus literally came to where they were. In the depths of despair, in a deep, dark pit, he climbed down with them. He came to them. These men were so lost. They didn't know what to do with themselves. You ever been so lost you didn't know what to do with yourself? You ever been so hopeless you just didn't know what to do? Didn't know where to go. They didn't know what to think. They were lost in their own thoughts and imaginations. And they didn't even know what was happening. It didn't really matter what else was happening around the world because in their own present circumstances, there was just no hope, no light, no no dream of things ever being any different. And it didn't matter if bombs were exploding around them. They were lost. Nothing else really mattered. They were simply trying to figure out some explanation. Trying to figure out how to explain it or why did this happen? How could it have happened? Uh, what, what should we have done differently? And maybe they begin to talk about whose fault it was. If, if we had only done something different, it would have never happened. It's his fault. Or it's their fault. Or it's hers. And they were so preoccupied. So wrapped up in their own thoughts and griefs that they didn't even notice when Jesus came near. Would you look here for a moment? I wonder how many times Jesus has came right next to me and I didn't even notice it. 
You think, that's not possible. How could it be possible that the Son of God could come near to them and they didn't even notice? It happened. In fact, let me tell you, those weren't the first ones. Because there were multitudes, tens of thousands, that watched Jesus perform miracles, heard him preach sermons, and they didn't even recognize that this was the Son of God. It is very possible that Jesus could sit right next to you this morning and you not even recognize. But he came. It doesn't change the fact that he came. And he came near. And he says something interesting. What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? What are you talking about? What are you two on about? What, what, what's going on? Why are you so sad? How could you possibly be so sad? And they, they give an interesting response. One of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering said, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Uh, some have interpreted it like this. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Are you the only one in Jerusalem that doesn't know what's going on? Have you, have you just appeared? I mean, do you not know? Because this thing was done openly and publicly and everybody was talking about it. The Bible says that Jesus asked them, what things? I want to encourage you this morning that Jesus Christ does draw near. A couple of observations from this text. The Lord Jesus draws near to those who talk together of him. Did you hear that? Jesus draws near to those who talk together of him. Somebody once said to me that there are many means of grace, many ways that God gives his grace to people, grace upon grace. I've never really thought about that before. How is it that God gives grace? You You don't go to like a like a, uh, a welfare a clinic and say, hello, I could use some more grace. How is it that God uh, dispenses grace? One way that he gives grace, one means of grace is when God's people begin to talk about God. When you begin to talk about Jesus and who he is and what he's done, mark it down. Don't let it leave your mind. Grace is poured out. Well, how can that be? I'll tell you how it can be because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And the more you hear the word of God, the more you talk about the word of God and discuss it, your faith is strengthened and built up. And surely that's God pouring grace into your life. Mark it down in your mind somewhere this morning. God knows when you are talking about him. Mark it down somewhere that when Jesus is the center of your conversation, the subject of your conversation, that it pleases Almighty God. And Jesus, like a magnet, is drawn to you. Amen. There is nothing that can encourage a downcast brother or sister like talking about Jesus. Do you know I oftentimes have a hard time figuring out what to say when things go wrong? How many of you know, know what I'm talking about? Sometimes I just don't know what to say. I, I spend... Much of my time as a pastor, as a minister, ministering to hurting people. And I have a hard time sometimes. We have a weird way of thinking as human beings. We think we've got to say something, don't we? 
And sometimes we end up saying stupid things because we're trying to help. The best thing you can do that you can say when somebody is in the pits of despair is just talk about Jesus. I've started on a number of occasions over the last couple of weeks just to open up the book of John and go through those seven I am statements. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And just make much of him. Nothing can encourage a downcast brother or sister like talking about Jesus. Now, it will drive an unbeliever mad. If somebody's lost and you start talking to them about Jesus in the depths of despair, they're going to nod their head and smile for a moment, but in their mind they're thinking, what are you on about? But all it brings, in fact, sometimes it's the only source of comfort and peace for a child of God. What a thought. Means of grace. As iron sharpens iron, so does a conversation about Jesus sharpen a believer's soul. Oh, you might say this morning, I wish that Jesus would draw near to me. I need him. Talk about him. Talk about him. Malachi chapter 3, a beautiful passage of scripture, the last book of the Old Testament. Let me read it for you. Malachi 3 verse 16. Listen to these words. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Did you catch that? Let me read it again. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name, and they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Let that encourage you. They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Every time you talk about Jesus Christ, God Almighty writes it down. Every time you talk about God, especially in the depths of your despairs, do not think it's in vain. God sees it. He makes a mental note of it, a physical note of it. And on that day when you stand before him, it shall all be revealed. Amen. So talk about it. Think about him. Oh, but I can't. I, I can't get out of the depths of despair. Then just open up the scriptures and, and just read aloud. I wonder this morning, do you have time to talk about it? It fascinates me. Look here for a moment. It fascinates me how much time we have to talk about everything else. How much time we have to talk about work. How much time we have to talk about Russia. How much time we've had to talk about the coronavirus. How much time we have to talk about all of these things and how very little time we have to talk about Jesus. No wonder we live in despair. If Satan can only fill your conversation with everything but Jesus, then he can keep you in the dumps. Keep you that down at the tip, buried beneath piles of rubbish. But the second you open your mouth and start talking about Jesus is the second that rubbish goes flying. And you're rescued. Talk about it. Well, I just have a hard time talking about spiritual things. You know, I just I really... My mouth kind of just, I, my tongue gets tied and I just have, find it difficult to talk about spiritual things. I'd say there's probably a heart problem there. Because the scriptures say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. If it's in your heart, you can't help but talk about it. So 
Get it in there. Get it in there. Let me tell you from our text again, not only does Jesus draw nigh unto those who talk about him, Jesus himself draws near to those who are desperately sad. Jesus himself draws near to those who are desperately sad. It was in their deepest grief that Jesus himself drew near. It was in their darkest moment that they met Jesus in a way they'd never met him before. That they spent a couple of years, three years with him. But now they're meeting him in a way they've never met, an intimacy they've never had before, a walk and a conversation they've never known before, and they would have never had it had they not been in that grief. The Bible says in Psalm 34, verse 18, the Lord is nigh, he's near to them that are of a broken heart. And saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. I want you to listen to this point for just one moment, please. Would you look this way? I want you to listen like you've never listened before. Because we so often misunderstand the struggles and the trials and the grief and the sorrow. The Bible says God is near to those of a broken heart. A broken heart is like a magnet for God. He cannot help but draw near to the brokenhearted. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. He can't help it. And we spend, look here, we spend all of our days and all of our our moments trying to avoid tragedy, trying to avoid grief. But it, it is in those moments of darkness and grief, times when our hearts are most broken, that God himself comes near. Do you know that when your heart's not broken, he doesn't need to come so close? If your heart's not broken, he can send a pastor. He can send a deacon. He can send an evangelist. He can send a brother or a sister. But when your heart is broken, no human being will ever do. And it is in that moment that he comes. When you're broken. But look what it says. He is near to those of a broken heart. And the second half of the verse explains it. And he saves those who are of a contrite spirit. Because it is God's plan. Listen to this. It is God's plan that your broken heart would make you repentant. It is God's plan that the trial that has brought you into the depths of despair and grief would cause your heart to be broken and cause you to be contrite, repentant about all you've ever done and for you to say, oh God, have mercy upon me. And then he can save you. But he cannot save you until you're brought to that place of repentance and contrition. Think about how good God must be that he would let you go into the depths. He would let your heart be crushed so that you would be brought to the point of repentance so he could save you. How good is our God? This is why he draws near to the broken heart because it is his desire that in your brokenness you might repent and be saved. Now these men had lost all hope of of anything being any different. Sorrow was all they could see. They had been stricken to the ground with grief. And any hope of things being different had been beaten out of them. And Jesus himself drew near. Look what else we find in our text. Jesus himself draws near to those who are hurt and confused. 
Sometimes we're confused by what happens. And confusion only adds to the grief. If you could understand why something happened, it wouldn't be so bad. But if you can't wrap your mind around why something happened, it makes the grief even more difficult. But let me encourage you that that's exactly the time that Jesus draws near. I remind you that Satan is the author of confusion, not God. Satan wants you to be confused, not God. Satan wants you to have all sorts of of spaghetti noodles crossing in your mind. You can't make one end meet the other. You don't have any idea. You can't figure it. He wants you to be so confused. Confused about scripture. Confused about theology. Confused about God. Confused about life. Confused about problems. If he can just get you confused, Satan's happy. And he rubs his hand because he knows you're depressed and confused. Verse 18, these men said, look, are you a stranger in this place? Jesus said, what things are you talking about? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him and condemned him to death and have crucified him. But we trusted, we thought that it had been he which should redeem Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished that which were early at the sepulcher. And they found, they didn't find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. We don't know what's going on. He's not there. He's gone. They saw a vision of angels, supposedly, but they hadn't seen him. Do you know, when you can't find the presence of Jesus, no vision of angel will ever do. It'll never, never work. No vision, no, no word of prophecy. If you can't find Jesus, it just doesn't work. And when a broken heart is aggravated by confusion, that's when Jesus draws near. Satan is the great concealer. Satan tries to hide. Jesus is the great revealer. Satan wants to hide it all. God wants to reveal it all. That's why we read such things like in Ecclesiastes when when Solomon wrote this, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, because this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing. Whether it be good or whether it be evil. Make no mistake about it. As much as Satan wants to hide things, God himself is a great revealer. And although Satan's trying to confuse you right now, and and Satan's trying to cover up your thinking, he doesn't want you to know what God is doing, he doesn't want you to have any hope, he doesn't want you to think that you're ever going to get out of this, God wants to reveal to you, there is a way out. There is hope. Mark 4, I, I read it a moment ago to the children, is a candle brought to be put under a bushel? Or under a bed and not to be set on a candlestick. For there's nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Neither was there anything kept secret that it should come abroad. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And not just the sins of a person's heart, but also the works of God. I think it's an amazing thought that God allows us to see and discover what he's doing. Uncover his will and his purposes. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. William Cowper once wrote, 
They're unfolding before our eyes. We're beginning to see what God is doing because he wants you to see. If you're confused this morning, look for Jesus drawing near. One last little thought. This has encouraged me. Look at this. Verse 25 of, of Luke chapter 24. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Jesus draws near to those who are slow to believe. Now that has encouraged me. Because there are some times when I just can't find the faith that I need. You ever been there before? There's just some times when as much as I, someone just says, well, you just got to believe. I'm trying. I don't know how to believe. Well, come on, just come on. You got to have faith. Well, that's easier said than done. And it encourages me that when you're in that position, when you don't have any faith or or very little faith, and you can't figure out how to believe. Jesus comes near. And he says, oh, fools and slow of heart to believe. He's not angry with them. He came to help them. He came alongside of them to explain and show them. And make no mistake about it this morning, if you be in the depths of despair and grief and you say, I I can't even find any faith to believe. Jesus is drawing near. What love. What relief. I'm reminded of several passages. Lord, you remember Jesus said to the man who asked that his son or his servant might be healed. Jesus said, if you believe, it can be done. And the man said, I believe, but help my unbelief. I feel like that most days, don't you? Lord, I do believe there's a flicker of faith there, but please help my unbelief. Help me to believe more. The disciples prayed in another place, increase our faith. Give us more faith. And maybe this morning you feel like your faith is failing. Jesus is near. Maybe you're in the depth of despair and your heart is broken. Jesus himself is near. Maybe you're confused. Jesus is near. God has not failed you. You just can't see it right now. God has not forsaken you. You just can't recognize him right now. He was there the whole time. The Bible says they drew nigh unto the village, whether they went, and he made as though Jesus acted like he was going to go further. And they constrained him, saying, stay with us, abide with us, for it is toward evening. Now look here for one moment. I want you to listen to this. If those two men had not laid hold on Jesus and said, please stay with us, they would have never had their eyes opened. If they had not constrained him, if they hadn't asked him, please spend the evening with us. Don't go. If they had not not done that, they would have never realized that Jesus was there all along. Now I wonder how many times Jesus has drawn near to me and I've let him go. I wonder how many times Christ has come near to me in my time of grief and sorrow and he's wanted to help me and he began to show me things and yet I was just too stubborn and maybe too blind that I just, I just let him go. 
but they constrained him. I love it because he was, he was of a mind to stay. He was going to stay, but he acted like he was going on so that they said, please stay. God has not failed you. It came to pass. The Bible says that he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread. Watch this. He took bread, blessed it and break it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. Do you know what happened? Something was familiar. Amen. Something was familiar. There he stood in front of them with bread in his hands. And all of a sudden they begin to think, hold on a moment. I know somebody else who had bread in his hands. And he's breaking it. Hold on. He gave thanks before he break it. I can remember sitting on the hillside when Jesus took those loaves and broke them and fed the 5,000. He gave thanks and he broke them. Oh, it was just four days ago, four nights ago, we sat in the upper room with Jesus and he took the loaf and he broke it. He gave thanks and he broke it. And when they saw it, something familiar triggered in their mind. The Bible says their eyes were opened and they knew him. You know what happened? The moment they recognized him, he was gone. Because he only came for one reason. He came for one reason to let them know that in their darkest moments of despair, he was always going to be with them. Even when they couldn't see him. Even when they couldn't recognize him. And when he left, the Bible says, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, while he opened unto us the scriptures? Didn't our hearts burn within us? And forever they would remember that when they talked of him and there was a burning in their heart, when the hairs took up, stood up on the back of their neck, they would always remember when somebody spoke of Jesus and their hearts leapt with joy. And when they got excited, they would always remember that Jesus is there, though they could not see him or feel him or recognize him. And maybe this morning you can't see him right now. Maybe you don't know the plan right now, but you will. Maybe you cannot see him yet, but you will. In just a moment, he's going to open your eyes. In just a moment, your eyes will be open. So don't lose heart. Don't give up hope. Perhaps this very moment you are overwhelmed with grief and you just cannot see how any good could come out of this. Make no mistake about it. Jesus is near. You just haven't seen him yet. And soon he will open your eyes. He has come. Come in the guise of a stranger, in the garments of a stranger. But in fact, he is your friend. And if you'll just ask him to stay like they did, he will respond and make himself known. And your heart will burn inside. And you will say like them, the Lord is risen indeed. Amen. He is alive. Hallelujah. He is here. Just don't give up. He's near. And at any moment, he's going to reveal himself to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give thanks that it is in our darkest moments of grief that you come to us. It is in those moments 
that we know something of your presence that we have never experienced before. And for this, we praise thee, Lord. That it is the broken things that pleases you to use. That you have chosen to use the foolish things of this world. The weak things. The broken things. And I pray this morning for each broken heart. Father, please help them to believe that you are indeed near. Increase their faith, Father. Many of them cannot see the Lord Jesus in this. Many of them cannot find Christ in it all. Oh, but Lord, give them an assurance that he is indeed near. And I pray very soon, Father, even today, you'd open their eyes. Open their eyes. Open the understanding of their hearts. That they may see what is happening and see what you are doing. Help us, we pray. For we ask it in Christ Jesus' name and for his sake.